is the We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt I've always been intrigued by what makes people successful, what success leads to them, and how we can apply their techniques to make our lives more successful. the We Make Success Happen podcast. My name is Matt Callanan and today we've got amazing human Craig Trout. Hello. Hello. Good morning, Matt. How are you doing? Very good. Now you are Director of Kindness for 52 Lies, which we'll talk to in a bit. But tell us about 101 Things to Do When You Survive. What brought that about? Yes. Uh, so uh, it all started back in 1987. Uh, I was seven years old and I was diagnosed with a, a stage four Wilms tumor, which is a cancer of the kidney. Uh, and with it being stage four, the, the cancer had spread from my kidney through my body. So I had tumors in my lungs, my arteries, as well as a tumor about the size of a melon on my right kidney. And back in the 80s, I, uh, you know, they were trying all these different types of of new treatments and things, but they had a pretty much blast my whole upper body to get rid of all the, the cancer and the tumors, as well as taking out my, my right kidney. Uh, but of course, not being fully developed, that 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 radiotherapy really kind of damaged my my body in various ways. So, uh, But I was so fortunate. I, I, I came through that, the amazing surgeons, doctors, nurses who looked after me and my, my amazing parents. Uh, but yeah, things went a bit wrong again. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with deep vein thrombosis. So uh, the main vein that takes blood back to my heart had become blocked. Uh, and the doctors believed that was a cause of the uh, the life-saving radiotherapy I'd had as a child. You know, it wasn't as accurate back in the 80s as it is now. So it kind of blasted everywhere. Uh, so now blood gets back to my heart through these enlarged superficial veins on my left side and my abdomen. And I take blood thing medication every day to, to help make that happen. But it really transpired that that radiotherapy had damaged me in various ways. So I have a heart that's 20 years older than I am. I have scarred lungs, uh, scoliosis, so my spine is curved. My chest my kind of points one way and my pelvis points another way. And then the DVT. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, a few months not being able to walk, I kind of back to what was a new normal, and that was fine. Uh, graduated university, went to work with the police as a crime scene investigator for nine years. But then things went a bit wrong again. At the age of 30, I was diagnosed with a, a stage two bowel cancer, uh, which is a real shock at the time. I I, I don't know, I just, I, I just never thought I was going to go through cancer again. I didn't really kind of pay much attention to it growing up. I just thought, right, that was my bad time. Great, move on. Uh, but yes, that day in the doctor's office when I was diagnosed, I was just, there was nothing brave or inspirational about my reaction. I cried. I almost passed out. My worst fear was coming true. And uh, it really, it really, yeah, it was a real shock to the system. What sort of was going through your head? Because if you've survived cancer as a kid and then what did you say at 30? you're getting another diagnosis. Surely you were thinking something like, why is this happening to me again? Why me? I mean, oh, what was going through your head? 
Absolutely, it was. It was that. Well, why am I going through this again? And there was an anger, and I just, I just couldn't understand it. And doctors say, you know, they believe it was again a cause of the radiotherapy from when I was a child. Uh, it had fallen in the radiation field, but there's no way I looked after myself in my twenties, considering I'd had cancer before, and I'd had health complications, you know, from the treatment of that. Uh, however, but you know, I worked for the police. I worked shifts. I was eating fast food on the go. I'd often dehydrate myself throughout the day so I could get to more jobs. Uh, I let my job be stressful. You know, I used to say I had a stressful job, but you know, I, I saw and I've learned so much about the mind and body now that I know that I made that job stressful. But you know, all these things just definitely didn't help my my well being going through my 20s, binge drinking, all these things. So I did definitely take some responsibility in that cancer uh, coming back. But it was, it was a shock. And it was a far different experience from being diagnosed as a child because apparently I only ever asked my mum and dad once if I was going to die when I was a child. And they said, no, we love you too much for that to happen. And apparently I never asked again. That was the only time I'd ever asked. But as an adult, oh my goodness, the doctors tell you absolutely everything. And most of it, I really didn't want to know. So when that happened, I was just, I was just a bit lost to begin with. I, I just couldn't, I just, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. Uh, but then I, you know, I, I had an operation. They joined me back together. Uh, I had chemotherapy after that, and I was told I was okay. And I thought, great, fantastic. And I, up until that point, I'd been reading all these books about people that had survived cancer or survived trauma and went on to leave, live these amazing, fulfilling lives. And I wasn't feeling like that. And instead of jumping for joy and singing the joys of spring, I was just completely gripped by fear. I could not stop thinking about cancer. I thought about it every single second of the day. And that anxiety just tran transferred to everything from the washing up, I'd worry about that. Where I parked my car, I'd worry about that. And I just got into this whole negative mindset. I'd uh, suffered with insomnia, uh, severe eczema and psoriasis on my face and head. I became someone who didn't leave the house. I lost my smile and I just couldn't find the joy in anything and it was only later because i didn't and this was after you survived then yeah this is it and i think the worst part of it matt was that i just absolutely hated myself for feeling this way because i thought there's so many people that don't survive cancer or people that have lost you know people to cancer and there i was having not just survived once but twice and i was just miserable uh and i was just kind of self-loathing for feeling like this um and it was just going on. I was going to see different forms of th therapists. I was trying everything, NLP, CBT, healing, counseling, you name it, I tried it. And all of them had elements of things that were useful, but I think I was so far gone that I didn't give them the attention that they needed. I didn't, you know, they told, they'd tell me to meditate or write things down or, or do this. And I never did them because I thought, well, that's not going to help. I think my solution was going to talk to someone. They tell me, it's all right. And then that would be it. So looking back, I definitely didn't give them the attention they deserved. But it was only later I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, I don't know what your perception of PTSD is, Matt, but when I was told that, I'd only ever associated PTSD with soldiers, war veterans, you know, people coming back from battle, because it's the only thing that I'd ever heard of it from, watching films and reading books. So you know, you look at it now and you kind of think, well, of course, you know, it's all in the title, post-trauma and cancer can be one of the most traumatic things that you ever go through in your life. So it made sense. And, but still, 
nothing was really uh, helping me. Now, considering uh, you know my cancer diagnosis from from diagnosis to to finishing treatment was around six months, but this the the issues with PTSD, the anxiety, this insomnia, eczema that had been going on for about sixteen months, and I can safely say that. Going through that was harder than both of my cancers put together. When I was ill, I always believed I'd get better. But then when I was better, um, there were times I just thought, am I ever going to feel feel better from this? Am I ever going to feel happy? Am I ever going to just enjoy life? Uh, and it was, there were some really dark moments, but I just kept trying different things. But eventually my relationship at the time came to an end. I, I wasn't the same person. And I think the worst part of it was that I just lost that ability to, to hear anyone. I couldn't listen. I was so into my own negative mindset that anyone speaking to me, I just could not hear whatsoever. And it was then that I thought, uh, right, I need, to, I need to do something. I need to do something else. This is my life's just going further and further and downhill. Uh, so I went to see my brother. Uh, just the day after my relationship ended, I said, what, what am I going to do? And my brother's my inspiration. He's traveled the world. He's ran across deserts. He's, he's done all these amazing things, things that I never dreamed I could do. Uh, and he said, why don't, why don't you go traveling? Why don't you go and see a bit of the world? He says, you've always wanted to do it. Why don't you go and do it? And he was right. I'd always wanted to go and, and do traveling like he'd done it. But, you know, I never had the courage to do what he's done. But I was literally at a loss, Matt. I just didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought, right, I'll, I'll go and see a bit of the world. Now, uh, about two weeks after I decided I was going to go traveling, I had my two-year checkup at hospital. Uh, when two years is quite a pivotal time in in cancer diagnosis, it's it's a good sign that the cancer's not going to come back. So it was a, it was a big moment for me. And in the hospital waiting room, I was watching people come and go, and I could and I thought, you know, how great would it be if I could take these people on on my trip with me, and show them that the that that they that, that they can travel, that there's things to look forward to doing, that they that they can have these operations, have these bits and pieces missing, and still go on and and do things. So that's when I came up with the idea of a website. I'm a big Bear Grylls fan. I used to love his videos and things. So I thought, right, I'll build a website. And and the idea was just for people to feel good. And now everything's always about bucket lists and things to do before you die. And I didn't want to use any negative terminology. I've never liked being treated like a victim. You know, when people hear my medical history, I, I hate that kind of, oh, you know, oh, bless you. You've been through the wars. I don't I want people to look at me and go, wow, he's strong, you know, amazing. So I want it to be a positive place. And that's why I called it 101 Things to Do When You Survive. So these were things not to do before you die, but things to do, things to look forward to doing when you're better or now. And the idea was just to inspire hope in other people and, and to give people something to look forward to doing beyond their current situations, something in the future. Because I had spent so much time worrying about the future and dwelling on the past uh, that I was just lost in this this double anxiety of of you know thinking about everything but what was going on in me in that moment and in that moment I was well but I'd forgotten about that. That's being kind of present, isn't it? So how did you sort of stop worrying about the future and the past, which you can't really control or has already happened, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. So how did yeah. you kind of zone into being more present 
Well, this is this is the amazing thing because I was convinced it was going to be all these things on my list that made me happy. I'd made a list which was only 45 things long. 101 things was actually it's quite a lot of things. <laughs> so, I came up with the with the name before I came up with the actual list. Uh but uh, most of my things on my list were nature orientated as well. They were all experiences. You know, I used to subscribe to National Geographic and I've always been a fan of geography and the world and nature and nature played a massive role in my uh, recovery through treatment and operation. I used to go walking by the river into forests and I found it very healing as well. Uh, and used to, used to use a, a form of visual meditation, which really helped me during those those times. So, so I made this list, but when I decided to go traveling, I didn't have any money at all. So I had to move out of my apartment. I moved, sold all my things and I moved in with my brother and his wife for the best part of a year to save for this adventure that was coming up. But that's when things changed and, and the most amazing thing happened in that year. Because like I said, I was convinced it was going to be, you know, Machu Picchu, tick, that'll make me happy. The Galapagos Islands, tick, that'll make me happy. But what happened was within a few months of thinking about my list, uh, from designing the website and, and, and visualizing what I wanted people to get from it, I started to feel better. Uh, within a few months, I started to sleep, uh, well, sleep again. I was still having night sweats and, and things, but I was getting better and sleeping. And my skin started to clear up because uh, I used to go to bed with an ice pack, had to hold my, an ice pack on my face just to stop me from scratching it at night. And gradually that got better, that got better. And then fast forward a year and I was already almost feeling back to normal and I hadn't gone anywhere and I hadn't done anything. And it was amazing to see. I'd seen what a negative mindset had, had done to me, both physically and emotionally during PTSD. But it was amazing to see what that change of of perception. Uh, things improved in work. Uh, you know, people were commenting that they enjoyed working, being on shift with me more. Uh, I was getting letters from victims of crime thanking me for my service. The job hadn't changed at all, but my approach to it was I wasn't stressed about it anymore. I was going in, I was enjoying it, and I was just taking it all as it came. But it was only later I discovered the science behind why I was feeling the way I was. And it turns out that when we visualize ourselves succeeding in something and then proactively working towards it, it releases that bit of dopamine in the brain that goes through the body, helps us feel good. And it can be one of the first steps in alleviating anxiety or depression. So even before I went away, I was already feeling better. And that's when I started to become really fascinated with mind, the mind and the power of the mind. And that, that, um, that, that correlation between the mind and the body, it's an incredible thing. And I've, Learned a lot about that throughout my trip and beyond. Uh, because I went away on this trip, you know, did had an amazing time. Uh, you know, ticked off some incredible things, things I never dreamed I would I would do. I was getting stronger and stronger as I went. You know, before I could barely carry my backpack around uh, Heathrow Airport, <laughs> and as I was going, I was spending more time just doing walks and trekking, and and gradually getting stronger and stronger. Then I was doing bike rides across American states, uh, trekking through national parks with a backpack on my back. It was amazing to see the conditioning of the body, but also the conditioning of the mind and, and how that affected me. Also through what I eat, through I ate, I was traveling through Central and South America and, you know, notoriously you get a, a bad tummy, which is one of the things I was scared of traveling because I've got one kidney and half a bowel. So dehydration is a massive thing. So if I get ill, it's going to really affect, it's going to really affect me. So I avoided meat and dairy. 
because uh, the lack of refrigeration means that those are the things you're really going to get ill from if you're if you go in those places. And I found that I had the you know the same, if not more, energy than I had when I was eating meat. Uh, I was eating lots more fruits and vegetables, so it, it was incredible to see just that 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 way of life as well, and see what what and how other people live. You mentioned visual meditation. Yes. What's that then? Well, this is something I learned after I was diagnosed. I went to see a nutritional therapist, and that's when I started to learn about um, yeah, microbiome, microbiota in in the gut, and how that affects you know seventy percent of our immune system is in our gut, which is something I didn't know about. I, I no one's ever told me that before. Uh, so that was the first time I'd learned that, and and the way they grow and feed is through fruits, vegetables, nuts, legumes healthy foods, you know, avoiding processed foods. But my nutritional therapist taught me all these things, but she also taught me about visual me meditation, whereby she says, when the pain gets too much, visual visualize uh, something good happening. So with visual meditation, I used to go and walk by the river and, you know, being by flowing water is said to release negative ions, which help us feel uh, calm and and happy. So I would visualize these negative ions uh, coming at me as I was walking along the river. I'd go into the the park or the or the woods and I'd visualize you know the 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 trees absorbing the carbon dioxide, releasing all this healthy oxygen, oxygenating in my body. And just doing that really helped soothe because I had a lot of side effects uh, through my chemotherapy. They had to actually stop my chemo early because the side effects become, became so bad. So I would do, have to do a lot of this just to try and feel better. Uh, but one of the things as well, Matt, and I'll just, I'll just tell you this quickly because this is something that really helped me. After my operation, I was in a lot of pain. So when the pain get, got too much, I'd visualize, I'm a big tennis fan, I'd visualize winning Wimbledon. And uh, so I'd have the final all set out. It was me against Rafa Nadal in the final of Wimbledon. And I'd sit there, you know, in pain, but just imagining these. And he'd go two sets to love up. And then I'd come back to make it two sets all. And then there was a five set thriller, you know. And then I eventually got all the shots planned out. I win Wimbledon. First double cancer survivor to win Wimbledon. And I'd visualize this over and over again when the pain got too much. And I found that that pain depleted massively when I did that. And again, going back to mindset and just changing your perception of your current situation and how important the mind is in alleviating that pain. And I know they use you know, virtual reality when uh, for burns victims. And I think they've reported a, a reduction in, in pain from about 40 to 50%, which is incredible. So in mindset, it was just, it was incredible to see these things all working and, and seeing how important that was. And a mind... I think we can all agree was something I never conditioned, practiced, strengthened growing up. It was always about, uh, you know, talking about eating your fruits and vegetables or exercising. Uh, no one ever stressed the importance of a mindset before. I think that's incredible, isn't it? The fact that you had this pretty big shift even before you'd actually gone on any trips. And it was just that power of visualization and shifting your mindset to a, I guess, to a more positive one. That, I mean, it's, I think that's unbelievable. Was there a day when you kind of thought, oh, actually, I feel better? Can you remember that day when you've kind of gone through that period and you thought, oh, I'm different, I feel different? Or was it much more of a gradual 
realization. Yeah, it was a gradual realization. There was no day because there there were still ups and downs. Um, in terms of sleeping, I'd have to sleep with a, a number of t-shirts by my bed because I was having these night sweats. But I was sleeping at least, which was fantastic. But then gradually, those night sweats became less and less and less, and it was a bit like being told you're clear from cancer because you when you when you're told you're all right. It, it's never told that you're, you know, you're cured. It's always right. You're all right now. We'll see you in six months, and then you go back for your six month appointment, and then they told, all right, you're okay, right? We'll see you in another six months. So there's still that kind of anxiety the, when you come on the approach of that six month checkup, and it was like that with mine. It just gradually got better and better and better, um, and then of course I I traveled and uh, did all these wonderful things. But as I was traveling. I was doing lots of of charity work as well, lots of volunteering, and I found that I was getting more joy and fulfillment out of those things than I was from ticking off this big grand list of mine. And I didn't understand the science behind that either until later, when I really started to to to, to delve into what is it that happiness? Because I was so worried that this trip was going to be one big distraction. Was this just one big form of virtual reality where I was just distracted in this wonderful world of doing all these things? So my fear was that I was going to come back and just resort back to the way that I was previously, and I didn't want that to happen. Because and the thing was, I'd always wanted to come home, Matt. Even before I went away, I didn't want to go away. I'm not even kidding、oh, really? about that. Oh <laughs> no, I was petrified. And also, I but I'd made such a big song and dance about it.、I、had a website. I had sponsors now. Bear Grylls was on as on a on as a supporter. So there was that kind of pressure, right? Well, I I need to go away now,、uh, and I did, and, and had the most <laughs> wonderful time. But I genuinely, I it was primarily for myself to feel happy again. That the website was just an offshoot of me wanting to be happy and, and enjoy life again. Uh, and I'd already achieved that almost before I went away. I, I, I was already back to being myself. <laughs> did, so. At any point, did you want to kind of like cancel it then before, before、oh、you went? Yes. Oh my goodness! Yes. Oh my goodness! Honestly, I could have come back after about six months. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did、uh, yeah. some amazing things. So I'm just going to read out a few of those. See,、so、you volunteered. You stood at the foot of Angel Falls, white water rafting, climbed a volcano, learned the tango in Argentina. Machu Picchu falls. I mean, what was the best thing that you did then, out of all of these things that you did on your travels? And it seems to be all around the world as well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw, I saw a fair bit of、uh, of the world. And do you know what, what? What was interesting as well, and it's another thing that、um, you know I look back on because people always ask, "Well, what's what's your most favourite thing that you've done?" But when I think about the things, I find that I'm. I'm.、Uh, I, I don't think about the things. I think about the people I did them with, which was something that was quite new to me. I don't know if nine years with the police kind of kicked it out of me of how good people are, because I only saw kind of the negative things, going to crime scenes, etc.、Uh, but I was. It was the people I did them with, the the communities I met, the families I stayed with, the people I met at bus stops, trains, ferries.、Um, I just met all these amazing people, and they made those experiences what they were. I thought I was going to travel the world for two years on my own, and I don't think I was ever on my own. I met people wherever I went, and the excitement came whenever I was going to a new place. And when I was in Central and South America, I was moving on every couple of days, but the excitement came from I wonder who I'm going to meet the next place I go, or the next hostel I stay at, or who's going to be in my dormitory, or who's going to. It was all those things, and I, I, 
I, I, I think I'd lost that power of, of, of community and people. And because you can be in paradise, but if you're in paradise with the wrong people, then that ceases to be paradise. So it was, it was, I, I went to some amazing places, uh, but the, 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 the things and the moments that meant the most were the people I met. met. And the, the best thing about my trip, uh, when people ask about the things like you just done there, Matt, was a, a ride called Angel Ride. Uh, which is a, a charity bike ride in the States that raised money for a camp for seriously ill children. And this guy saw my, my, my story on, uh, in the news over there. And he invited me to do this charity bike ride. So I went up and people that I never met, they gave me a place to stay that he was building me a bike. I met this amazing community of people. The bike ride itself was incredible. And then I got to volunteer at the camp, uh, afterwards, to see where the money we raised went and all the people there, and they were just good, kind, loving people. And they didn't know who I was. You know, I'm, I'm not a big YouTube star or they just heard that some crazy British guy was coming over <laughs> who'd had cancer a couple of times and, and they just invited me in like I was their family. And that, that, that was just the most magical couple of weeks of my life, uh, you know, of, or at that time. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible of, of, of that two years. That, those moments were just so special from the people I met. How did you feel inside when they were kind of so kind and welcoming to you? It was, I, 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 I felt amazing. I felt amazing. And, that, and that's where, you know, when I look back on all the things I did, because the second part of my trip came very much more about charity work and and uh yeah, the the charities I, i'd said i'd go and visit and, and raise money for raise awareness for and it was only later again i discovered the science behind kindness and how important that is and how that affects us both 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 the world we live in but also our own physical and emotional health and physical health uh our, our physical and mental health sorry matt uh, uh and it is it's it's and that's the thing with uh, you know, happiness, well-being, it is a, it, it's a series of actions and thoughts and, and, and people and community and foods and, and just all these things. It, it's not a destination. It's very much that journey. And it's the people that you meet on that journey and being able to help other people is the most incredible feeling in the world. Yeah. So why do you think you shifted then from more of these kind of experiences and trips to kind of helping other people and getting involved more with the charity side of things? To start with, I don't know. I, I've always enjoyed helping people. Uh, um, I, you know, my parents are very, very kind. And I think I've you've just been They've modeled that behavior for me since I, was, since I was little. And the thought of going away and doing all these wonderful things, it wouldn't have felt right if I wasn't doing something else to help other people in the process. Uh, and as I went, you know, learning about, uh, you know, experiencing why, why, I was, why I was enjoying helping people more than I was ticking off this, this dream list of mine. And the science behind that is whereby... When we are kind, or if somebody's kind to us, even if you see someone else being kind, it releases all these wonderful chemicals and hormones in the body, uh, from dopamine to oxytocin to nitric oxide, which help us feel happy. Uh, they expand our blood vessels. They give us a healthier heart. They, they, they can flush out toxins in the body from, from inflammation to free radicals. Like It's just incredible. And that's just an emotional response and a physical biochemical response to to being kind because 
Kindness is the best thing in the world. We all want to be around kind people from where we work, from where we live, to where we go to school. The, the things you remember about your life are the, the, the acts of kindness that, that come from other people. And there's a real response. So when you're being kind, you're not just being kind to someone else. You're actually being kind to yourself as well. You're improving your own physical and mental health, which is something that I didn't know about until researching, you know, because when I got back, Matt, I, because uh, I was so worried about, you know, am I going to resort back to the way that I was before? And within a couple of months, you know, I started to feel a bit down again, you know, but I'd always wanted to come home. I was so excited about being home. And then I was at home and I thought, oh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not enjoying this. So then I, then I really started looking in. So what is it about the lead up to my trip, my trip, the things that I enjoyed the most? What is it about those things that, that made me feel so good? So then I started learning about, you know, mindset and, and people and kindness and helping others and looking after myself from nutrition to sleep to hydration to all of these things that that make an optimal well-being uh and it was you know looking into it and then implementing it in my life life in those moments and seeing that you don't need to travel the world to do that i see someone with a backpack now and i think oh my goodness i'm so glad that's not me in six <laughs> really i know it, people say oh, what's next on your list what are you going to do but in six years uh, i've not wanted to travel since I'm just, I'm in a kind of state of contentment at the moment, which is something I never thought I'd get to. Uh, and it is, it's, it's, a, it's about implementing these things. It's from changing your mindset, reframing your thoughts, reframing your situations, practicing things like gratitude, kindness, mindfulness, and just being, being present in this moment, being surrounded by good, loving people. These are the things that, that, that build us up. These are the forms of happiness that you'll remember on your deathbed. You'll look back and those are the things you'll remember. It won't be standing over, you know, Machu Picchu looking at it going, wow, that's beautiful. You'll be looking at the person who you were with seeing that, watching their expression, sharing that moment with them. Yeah, because on this list, and you can uh, go and check out some of the amazing things that Greg did with, um, if you go to whenyousurvive.com. So at number one, you've got help others get through cancer, and that's, in brackets, says forever ongoing. And then at 101, there's a few things to sort of to be discovered, but then at 101, what have you got there? Uh, well, 101, thing 101 was meant to be this thing that was just uh, uh, something that I'd never thought I'd achieve, something unbelievable, incredible, and I didn't know what that was. But about halfway through my trip, I decided what that thing was. I'd been staying with so many lovely families and communities and and meeting wonderful people. I missed my parents so much more than I thought I was going to. And it really got me thinking about what is I what what do I want from life? And and it was, it was to have a family of my own. And that became thing 101 on my list was to have a family of my own. Of course, treatment has affected my body in so many various ways. And I was sure that it would have damaged my fertility. Uh, but I, I, I met the most um, amazing uh, woman who I know you've, you've interviewed on your podcast. Uh, we'd got to know each other a, a lot um, during my travels because she started something called 52 Lives. Uh, and we did some joint fundraising things. And I thought it was the most incredible charity. I, I loved it, that, that ability to help a different person each week. And it really inspired me. Anyway, we, later on, we, we, uh, we, we, we got married. Uh, so now I have two amazing uh, stepchildren. And 
uh, I, about three years ago, I had uh, a little boy called Joseph. So uh, he's still, to this day, I can't believe he's here. He's going to be four in August. And I keep poking him. I say, I can't believe you're here. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just, just amazing. And I, I think I've really been in a state of contentment since he's been here because I'd really for him more than anyone i think just really i want to be present i want to want to want to see what he sees when he looks at me and talks to me i want to be there listening i don't want to be lost like i was before off in my own little world i want to just be there with him and and hopefully modeling the behavior that i've learned over the last few years so he grows up understanding his body and mind and that's something what we try and do with the the school of kindness as well uh, that's why we created it was to try and embed this knowledge and practice and life skills into children about how they can control the, the not just the world they live in, but their own physical and mental health. So each week I go into a school, we, 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 uh, it's a free workshop for, for primary schools, and it's all about educating them about the importance of kindness and also the science of kindness and how that affects our relationships, our communities, and also our well-being. Uh, and it's just, just incredible because these are the things that I wished I'd been taught. I wish I'd known more about how my mind and body worked, uh, how my actions determine the world that I live in. It's such an important thing. And if you can embed those and empower children from an early age, then, oh my goodness, then rates of depression, anxiety, bullying, all these things will decrease because they'll have the knowledge about how their act actions affect someone else. And not just that, but also their, themselves as well. So these are these are the things I'm super super passionate about nowadays. I love that story about how basically 101 is now a massive tick. That's I think that's brilliant. And yeah, we've interviewed your um, lovely and amazing wife Jamie Thurston on. It is one of the first ever podcasts I did, so you can go back and listen to that. I'll put it in the show notes. And also, I've interviewed her for the BBC documentary "Give Kindness a Chance," which I'll put in the the show notes as well. Because I think. What you're doing, what you're both doing with 52 Lives is such an amazing domino effect of not just changing like one life, but you're creating these amazing ripples out in the world and an amazing legacy for for you as well and what you've kind of come through to where you are now. I mean, I think this is probably a re really relevant question for you. What do you think happiness is? What do I think happiness is? Oh my goodness, that's uh, <laughs> easy that's, question. I there, know, though. I know. <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Oh, happiness. I just think happiness is something that's it's 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 an ongoing thing. It's something that 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 needs to be practiced. There's no you don't just reach happiness and stay happy. It, it's a variation. When I, if I'm ever feeling down or sad, I think about it logically now, and I think about right, what? How much sleep did I get last night? How, what, what did I eat yesterday? Uh, is something I've seen affected me emotionally is that, and I think about it practically now before my hap I, I would have been lost in that for days, weeks, months, or years as it turned out. But nowadays I can flip it around in, in, in just a couple of seconds, uh, and just look at it logically about how my body and my mind are reacting to external stimuli. And then I bring it back home and go, right in this moment, I'm all right. Uh, but happiness for me is just being with my family. I, I I just love being with them. I've not particularly struggled through lockdown, I must admit. I know many have. I know we've helped a lot of people who have really struggled. But 
Um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, as long as I'm well and I'm with my family, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've got everything I need. Do you want to talk about how 52 Lives actually works and how people can get involved? Yes, please, Matt. Thank you. Yes. So 52 Lives, uh, the idea is uh, uh, people nominate someone who's in need of kindness or some help. Uh, we share their story to an amazing community uh, of people uh, on social media, newsletters, websites, and then people help that person. Uh, it's, sometimes it's money. It could be money, things, something they need, a service that they need. And 100% of what people give go directly to the people we help. And it's all just about helping others, helping others, but also spreading kindness because one kind act leads to many, many more as we've seen with 52 Lives. And as research has shown, when you're kind to one person, you're not just being kind to that person, you're being kind to up to 125 people. So the main aims of, of 52 Lives are to spread kindness and to help change someone's life each week of the year. That's lovely. Is there one family or one person that you've helped out that their story is really connected with you? Yes. Uh, the, the very first person that 52 Lives helped. Um, I was traveling at the time. So Jamie had, had started 52 Lives. And there was a, a little girl called Claire who who was sadly diagnosed with a brain tumor. And um, I got to know the family from traveling and... and uh, yeah, I, I never met Claire. Claire sadly died, um, but I met the family. I went to visit them when I was in Australia and we met again later on. Uh, and I, I think about her a lot um, and it just, um, excuse me, Matt, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, that really resonated with everything my family have been through. But also I just, when I think about being a good person or enjoying life. And, and I, I think about Claire a lot and, and, you know, just trying to make the best of, of everything I have. Cause I know how fortunate and lucky I am. Uh, but yeah, it just really, it really struck a chord with me and cause I know what they've been through and I've met lots of people who have sadly been lost in my time working with different charities. And I think about them all a lot. And just really want to enjoy my life and, and 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 be present and be grateful for everything that I have. So what's your definition of kindness? What does kindness mean to you? Kindness. Oh my goodness. Well, it's it's I, I see we always teach the kids that about the qualities of kindness where it's being friendly, generous, and considerate. And it's really all those things. It's just it's being there for others. Uh it's it's being there for yourself as well, not being so hard on yourself. I've spent a lot of time growing up being hard on my body for being, you know, it's covered in scars and veins and being ugly and weak and all this. And I should have been being kind to my body and it's got me through everything I've ever been through. I should have been praising it. So kindness is, is helping others, but it's also being kind to yourself because when you're good to yourself, and I saw this when I was starting 101 Things, when you're kind to yourself, when you help yourself, you're in a much better position to help others as well. Uh, so we have to be kind to ourselves. And I think self-kindness is something where people really struggle. People are kind. They're really good. But our inner dialogue can be a terrible one. You never speak to another person the way you speak to yourself sometimes. So it is, it, it, it's It's being kind to both. It, it's, it's being there. It's listening. It's being present. It, it's giving people your attention and letting them know that you're there for them. So how can people be kind to themselves then? Oh my goodness. Well, 
Here we go, Matt. Let's uh, <laughs> yes, come on. Oh, let's do it. I love it. Uh, yes, I oh, just you know what? It, 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 it's all just practicing all these things. It's, it's understanding what your body needs. So it, it, you're being kind to yourself through nutrition, for, for for eating well, for for exercising well, for moving well, but also thinking well. Now your mindset is enhanced by practicing lots of different things. And once you practice these things, then they're embedded. You know, that the, the brain is an amazing thing. And neuroplasticity means these neural pathways that are formed over the years from gradual habits can be moved. They can be changed. So the more you practice something, the more it just becomes a, 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 a standard strengthened neural pathway habit in your brain. You just do it all the time. And that comes from, from being optimistic, from looking to the future in a positive way, from practicing gratitude, for looking at the things we have already and not looking at the things that we don't have, uh, from being kind. I mean, kindness is the best thing. We've evolved as human beings being kind, uh, surviving in communities, but also it's just such a, on an emotional level, it's it's a wonderful feeling, but also on a biochemical level, there's so many things going on in the body when you're kind or if someone's kind to you. It's incredible for your well-being. But uh, also just reframing your thoughts. And I'll never forget, Matt, um, one of my therapists said to me, she says, Greg, do you always feel like you've been unwell? And I said, yes. And she says, right, so if you had to add up all the years that you've been unwell, how many years would it be? And I think I worked it out to be about three years uh, from treatment, operations, and, and et cetera. Uh, and she said, and I was 32 at the time. She goes, so, so for about 29 years, you've been okay. And I never thought about it like that. I never thought about it like that. I'd only thought about those those bad kind of traumatic times. So reframing thoughts and, and changing the way that we see the world. Uh, because... You know, when you change the way that you look at the world, the world around you begins to change and suddenly you don't need anything else. You see what's right in front of you. And I think so many of us are lost either, whether it's in looking at other people's lives or worrying about things that haven't even happened yet, that might be out of our control, that we've lost that, you know what, in this moment we're doing all right. But that's something again that that almost needs to be practiced, just changing the way, practicing resilience, because resilience is something that can be taught, it can be learned, it can be, it can be modeled. And I think about that when I'm around the kids, my reaction to things maybe not going wrong, right, okay, what, what do they want to see? Do they want to see someone, oh God, no, this is terrible, this is, oh, this is the worst, or someone going, okay, right, this has happened, what, how can we make this better? And this is what we need to do, because there's going to be good things and bad things happen in life. But when those bad things happen, that's what makes us the person we are. It's how we choose to react to that. We have a choice about how we react to situations. And we can either give up and say, right, that's my lot. That's as good as it's ever going to get. Or we can say, right, how do I make this into a positive? How do I improve this situation to bring out the best? Yes, oh, we're on uh, social media, uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, 52 Lives, uh, and the School of Kindness. We've also got pages for that. Uh, we've got the School of Kindness website as well, uh, which has got lots of free lesson plans, things to download. If you want to request a workshop, it's free. Obviously, we're doing them virtually now as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's all on there. And, you know, e even if you're not in a position to help financially with the people we help just just come and because what we you leave a message write to someone because what we find is uh you know the thing that means the most to people are, are the fact that people care and it's so lovely to know 
that there's good people out there. And I think lockdown and and COVID and all this has really brought out kindness in people, good people wanting to, to help others. Uh, and, and it's the best. And I, I hope when we look back on this time, we think about those things. Because when I look back on my time with, with cancer, PTSD, I do, I think about all the people that supported me and were there and and I can look back with a, with a smile on my face now because I think, wow, that those moments, those are what led me to where I am now. So it is, it's, it's, it's incredible. So please come in and join us and join our amazing community and just have a look at the website. You'll honestly, you'll immediately just feel uh, lifted and elevated because it, it's just such a beautiful thing what, what other people have, have, have done to help others. So it's incredible. Oh, yeah, I should promote your wife's books as well. Oh, yes. The Kindness <laughs> Journal has just come out. And uh, Kindness, the little thing that matters most was the original. Are you going to be writing a book, Greg? I am. I, my my wife's way better writer than I am. <laughs> my Jamie is, honestly, she's incredible, Matt. She will just, you know, with three kids, of course, we're in and out doing this tag teaming for, you know, who's going to help while we're trying to do a bit of work but she could be cooking dinner or whatever and just she say oh, i've got five minutes before that's ready and she'll write a chapter whereas i need to be <laughs> sat down at my desk right i need the whole day to procrastinate and to think about what i'm going to say and then write it so uh she's trying to teach me now the way of the the author so but i'd, I'd love to write a book i'd love to put down everything that i've just told you there in, in, into words and and hopefully my experiences will will not just help others that are going through difficult times, but hopefully people won't wait for trauma or tragedy before they change their lives. Because you can change your life in this very moment just by changing the way you think. Uh, so I, I hope if anything, anyone takes anything away from our conversation here, it's not that you have to travel the world to feel happy. It's that it all comes from just in this moment. What kind of person do you want to be? How do you want to choose to react to, to life? Because it's it's happening. It's, it's, it's right now. And, and, and we can choose our response to it. Yeah, I love that advice. So what does success mean to you, Greg? Oh, success. Oh, my goodness. Uh, just being in a position where you're happy with yourself and happy with life. And um, yeah, I feel like I need to say something really uh mind-blowing there Matt but that, that's it really if you can be healthy and look at your life and and look at the people around you and go you know what I'm a good person I, I've and, and I'm around good people and I'm making the most of my life by by contributing something to to to, to other people's lives that's that's what success is okay last question then so imagine all your friends and family at a lovely beach Lovely sunny day, sun's out, but like here, blinding me. I'm getting sunburnt on the side of one. Yeah, I know, it looks lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, so imagine all your friends and family there on the, the beach looking up at the uh, bright blue sky and the sun's out. And you've hired one of these small planes that carries the banner behind it. And these are your maybe your final words of wisdom to leave them with. What would they, what would it say on that banner? What would the words be? <laughs> Oh, Matt, you're really pulling out the big questions here. Oh, what would I say? Oh, my goodness. Oh, it, it would. It would be be kind. Be kind. I don't know what Jamie said to that question, actually. What did she say? 
What was her accent? I don't know. I'll, I'll have to dig it out. I wonder if <laughs> we'll hers is the same, actually. <laughs> uh, but be kind on so many levels, just as we chatted about. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. It's the best thing. Amazing. Thank you very much, Greg Trout. You've been absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah, do go and check out what Greg's been up to um, on whenyousurvive.com and also check out 52 lives because they do amazing things around the world so thank you very much Hooray! brilliant thanks matt thank you subscribe rate and review the we make success happen podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode i would really appreciate you leaving us a great review up on apple podcast app it means a lot thank you very much i've been matt callanan and i'll see you on the next episode This is the We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt Callender.